Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast, featuring Aaron Castro in Arizona, Liam Poach in Boston, and Craig Gradelli in New York City. For those of you new to the podcast, each week the guys share news, views, and abuse from Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby Union, along with information on the USA national team. With all that said, let's get on with the show. Welcome to You're Full of Zerts. Uh, I'm Aaron Castro. I'm joined by my venerable co-host, uh, Craig Gradelli. You can find him at American RFC on Twitter. Uh, our other, uh, not the third wheel, but our other man, the, the third the third spindle to the stool, uh, he is a New England fan, and as, um, as such, he is, uh, I think he looks like a wet dog right now. <laughs> well, my phone tells me New England just closed it out, so... Uh, right. They won. They did not cover, nor did they uh, hit the over for those interested. Oh, oh so uh, if you took Dallas today, good for you. Um, so, so Craig, uh, you know, how was the week uh, for you? Uh, we've had some interesting rugby stuff go on since we last recorded. Yeah, it's been an exciting week. Uh, you know, not USA rugby, but uh, Heineken Cup, you know, European Challenge Cup rugby is in full swing. So that's fun. I'm uh, my wife took our kid and dog up to her, you know, her family, my in-laws Saturday morning for Thanksgiving week. So I'm actually alone here. What is Uh, up with these teachers? Well, she's a principal, so she's on maternity leave still right now. Dang, man, I I don't want to go work for her school, but uh, it's all the the first time I've never, I think since the kid was born, this is the first time I've, uh, other than work trips, like the first time I've been wow. home alone. It's impressive in the new it's house. Nice. In the new house, yeah, it's big, it's, it's not bad. Uh, remember back in the day uh, when we were all in high school? I mean, you probably had a full day of school on Wednesday. We at least had a minimum day on Wednesday where I was. So, but and now you get the whole week off. What is this? You know, everyone's soft. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I guess it works out better that way, but who knows? Uh, yeah, I'm going to work, so I'm not getting the whole week off, but uh, I'm taking an early train Wednesday up to Boston to join uh, my wife and her family. So right. well, it will be an easy week, but I'll, I'll be working at least. So we'll get into the show. I think uh, we'll be able to knock this out pretty quick. Uh, overall, uh, if you, if anyone had a chance to listen to MLR kickoff, I think Mark Winnaker, uh talked at length with what they're excited about. Apparently, uh, the, I guess the biggest news out of that show, as I was helping record it, uh, was they're doing a preseason swing all in the U.S. So similar to how many games they played. Last year, uh, away from Toronto, they're doing that uh, with, I think it's three preseason fixtures before their first game uh, in uh, in Vegas. So that's pretty cool uh, for them. And they, they, for the most part, uh, the Vegas stuff uh, is continue, continuing to be pumped. I'm, the details are really emerging now, and I'm really happy about uh, what that kind of event will be, uh, especially if you – if you're, well, I'm a rugby degenerate, but if you're, if your spouse or significant other enjoys rugby, you might be able to take her or him to Vegas 
for Valentine's Day and see four, uh, you know, Major League Rugby games uh, out at the award-winning Las Vegas ballpark. <laughs> Vegas, long known as the romance capital of the world. <laughs> I mean, however, it's very easy to get married, so be careful if you, you I, go by the strategy. Yeah. There's yeah, it is very easy to get married there. So maybe I should leave the boss at the house. <laughs> Whoops. Um, but yeah, uh, so do th- that that's pretty cool. Um, I think MLR sort of our team slowed down in their player signings this week. Uh, what we did see, and we'll, we'll cover it t- after we get through signings, is uh, uh, Utah announced their whole roster. I mean, they've announced like pretty much every individual. Uh, in announcements, but they gave us a full team sheet. So that was kind of cool to look at Uh, getting into the re-signings or renewals or returns or whatever you want to call it so that you don't think the person resigned. Um, Ben Tarr, tight head prop. This is a great one for Nola to get back. I, I remember talking to a few people around Nola and himself and, uh, you know, he was very hopeful uh, after his surgery, but there was concern that, you know, his his career was over. But um, this is really awesome. Um, they, yeah. they, they really need some help, uh, uh, I guess, additional help going on. Um, and he's, you know, it's he- good to see that he's healthy. Yeah, it's great to have him back. Great anytime somebody comes back from a serious injury. Uh, obviously, you know, I love the front rowers. Uh, this guy is an eagle you know, uh, you know, a capped eagle in the past. So for a team like Nola with great core and great attacking ability, especially in the backfield, um, you know, going to be so important to be able to hold their own the set piece. So I'm glad they got this guy back. Then uh, another re-signing, more of a surprise, uh, was Cam Troxler coming back. Uh, he had, you know, said he hung up the professional boots last year. He was going to focus on earning his – uh, doctorate in physical therapy from LSU, but uh, I guess he got uh, he got that itch specifically because I I'm pretty sure they have a Mardi Gras jersey this year, and he wanted to at least have one of those um, in his closet for when he has children. Yeah, well, what can I say? Let me tell you, sometimes you retire and then you <laughs> end up wanting to play more, and then you're not really retired. I don't know, human nature. It's hard to give up the rugger. So, um, yeah, that's a good, a good signing, re-signing this week. And then for Seattle, uh, George Barton, uh, the Cabbage Patch Kid, the uh, – I wouldn't call him the ginger bus, but the, the ginger munition maybe, something. He's, he is a ball of fire. Red rocket. Um, hey, there you go. Yep, uh, obviously huge shining back there in Seattle. George Barton had a great year last year. Um, so, you know, you know, I, I like seeing these and we, we talk about this a little bit every week, but I, I like seeing these people re-signing with their teams and, you know, we're seeing the cores of certain teams form and it gives it a, a little, a greater sense of longevity as opposed to, you know, every year thinking the team might be a completely new set of guys. Uh, so I, I just like seeing that. It makes me feel like, you know, MR is developing into a longer term vision project. Yeah, and, and you look at George Barton, I think he's just 23. Like, he is uh, – why he got snubbed from the Canadian World Cup side, I don't know, but uh, he, he could have helped them a lot. And then 
you know, it just said if you could keep a core together, uh, that will help. I mean, they are kind of dynastic with the first two titles in a row. But if you can keep a decent core together of high-level national team players, uh, you know, that's that's going to be great uh, for your for your long-term development as a team. And especially with Seattle, if like this is their third coach in three seasons. So, yeah. Um, you yeah. Kind of, yeah. Phil Mack is coming back for his third season as coach. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it there. Uh, but, um, yeah, and then Mike Shepard uh, really uh, hasn't been a star, much of a starter for them, but has been a big-time role player off the bench at prop. Uh, for for Seattle, and you know when they've had some injuries, he has has stepped up. I think um, I, I think the best way to explain it is that he's like a mule. He's very mm. like he is deceptively strong. Like uh, he like his form is really good, and he squats like a brick shit house. So um, so that's it with our re-signings this week. Unlike last week, where I think half the league got re-signed or at least announced as, as re-signings moving into this week uh, for signings. Austin signs prop Skylar Adams out of AIC also uh, has been in the Crusaders Academy for a little bit of time. So I think, you know, a young American prop, uh, this is a place where across the league, there's been a lot of foreigners come in, which I mean, many of them have been just amazing. Patty Ryan to Metcher, uh, uh, James Roxford, um, others like that. Uh, so uh, an American prop, really good, and uh, you know, can't wait to see what goes on in Austin. Yep, like like it again. Another yeah, another front row. We're seeing a lot. The focus on front row depth continue, particularly in the off season. And uh, you know, I love an American with some time in New Zealand to win the game. Uh, so I think he'll. I suspect he might. Uh, might see some time make some good contributions out there in Austin this year. Moving to Atlanta, we've got Eamon Matthews. Uh, sort of math. Uh, you know, I guess uh, I don't know why people thought that. Uh, you know, for I read something it's like you know, may, seems like a miss for New York instead of them bringing in that Irish kid. Uh, and this guy out of Bonnie's up in New England, uh, all American, uh, really good player. Uh, want to yeah. see? I want to see what he can do. I mean, uh, they're actually going to have a very tight competition at scrum half in Atlanta if uh, if Duncan Van Schalkwick doesn't play fly half because he's played some fly half with the Life Senior Club uh, during the four hundred four season, but that may have been due to injury. I'm not really sure uh, because he's like at Van Schalkwick was one of the weapons at ten. Uh, in all of college rugby. So I think he'll likely play at 10 for Atlanta, but still, you know, an American qualified scrum half. Yep. This yeah. guy's essentially, I, I believe he's a Xavier high school alumni as well, which I, I think he actually is a Mike Petrie disciple, uh, which is you know, part of the reason you might say he's a miss from New York, but uh, with Mike Petrie back and the Irish scrum half they brought in. Yeah. New York is pretty set at, at scrum half, and I'm not sure they they have space for another guy like like Eamon, but uh, he I think he's going to bring a lot of that same type of Mike Petri game. So yeah, we'll see what he can do. Uh, then also um, 
I, I guess this is a, a loss for New York. Uh, Ross Deacon to Atlanta. Uh, you know, he wasn't fit last year. He really wasn't healthy. Uh, and this is probably, if he had had a healthy season, he's been on the radar for the Eagles for a while. I know he was named in the like outer in the outer ten group of the fifty man roster of the preliminary fifty man roster. But I think overall, is just. He had a decent season with Austin uh, when he was on loan, but uh, this last year he just struggled for fitness. Uh, but still a big loss for New York and a nice game for Atlanta. Yeah, huge game. I think Ross you know, is maybe underrated, even though I think he's held in decent regard. I, I think when he is healthy, he is a very effective attacking ape. Um, and like you said, he was, he was never really fit last year, and he was always torn between – trying to play and compete for a spot on the Eagles in the world cup roster or resting to recover. Um, and so, you know, I think he, he did the best he could to manage those two things, but you know, what you saw was definitely an imperfect less than hundred percent Ross for most of the season, you know, early in the season, the preseason when he was still fairly fit. I mean, I'm telling you, he was running great lines off Kyle Marsh. Uh, I, yeah, I thought he was going to score 10 tries, um, so I think great pickup for Atlanta. And then we get into, uh, you know, this center who's a former junior Springbok, uh, signing for Utah in Tyler Fisher. He was playing, uh, with West in, or no West Harbor, not West. West is, uh, you know, actually on the West side of Sydney. So West Harbor club, I don't really know where that is in the shoot shield, but still a, another junior Springbok. If uh, anyone knows, uh, Franco Vandenberg is, was also a junior Springbok. And if you can get that kind of talent uh, to come over and, you know, be in any place in, in this team, it's, it's really good. Uh, and still young enough to become American qualified. Yeah. A big guy. I mean, I think he's listed at 6'3", 240. So, I mean, that's a, a monster of a center. Uh, Utah bringing in a, a couple of uh, Southern Hemisphere experience centers here this week. So, I, I, you know, that's a for me, that's a really good signing. Young kid uh, playing in a high-level club comp. And, I, I, you know, the South African flavor that's in the league is, is really good. I, people are like, oh, how are teams affording these players? Do you does anyone know what Curry Cup players make? Does anyone know what minor ten cup players make? It's not a lot. So if a guy can, very uh, the Rand is very depressed. If a guy can double, or in some cases like triple what he earned by coming to the United States for six months, um, you know, I'm because they're they're not signing for exorbitant contracts. These are young guys coming out of South Africa that are wanting to get out and trying to play professional rugby. So if they go back and play in the Curry Cup or they go play back if they're New Zealanders playing in the minor, minor 10, it's just I originally would have thought super rugby players made a lot of money. Um, yeah, the stars do, but the low-end guys, in order to just make a living, they have to play a full season of super rugby. They have to then go directly into a full season of minor 10 rugby. And th- some of these, like – Fresh capped all blacks, some of them like Malachi Fekatoa was you know didn't have a crazy amount of caps, but I think it was him. Yeah, he was playing a full minor 10 season right after the rugby championship and stuff, and before he went to 
to Europe on his European contract, which is crazy when I think about it. Like that is a lot of usage, but it is what it is. Um, and then after that, we've got uh, Michael Baska, who uh, they just couldn't make it work in in New Orleans uh, with what with what everyone wanted, and he's a uh, as a as a scrum half, he played appeared in twelve games for for the goal behind Holden Youngert, and they're just different players. Like their styles are completely different. He did provide a spark for the gold several times last season uh, when he came onto the pitch. Yeah, yeah. You know, obviously Holden Younger has a pretty tight grip on that starting spot. Utah is wearing a few scrum halves this off season. I'm not sure. Um, it's not clear who they're going to have. So I think he probably has a better chance to compete for the starting job here in Utah. Um, so, you know, can't blame a guy for, for trying to, you know, move up to a place where, where he gets to play, you know, 70 minutes a day or whatever. And then the last for Utah this last week was uh German's fly half Hagen Schulte. Hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I mean, with uh, the potential for more expansion next year, and you just see you know, half these signings that we see every week, maybe two-thirds are uh, international players, you have to wonder if they're going to be able to keep the 10 international limit that they're currently under in place next year, you know, as they try to roster another, you know, potentially another two full sides. Um, so, yeah, this, that's what this guy made me think about. Yeah, I don't know much about him other than that. Yeah, uh, I mean, pretty decent player, uh, except that I guess, I mean, with if he's playing for Utah, I don't see him playing for Germany this season because they have a six-week window called the Rugby Europe Championship, which is right at the six-week beginning of Major League Rugby. Uh, you know, I, I we had those issues with the ARC last season. The ARC is supposed to move. I think, and if it doesn't, I guess we'll find out in the middle of December if there's an assembly, you know, at the yeah. end of January. I don't know that. Yeah, exactly. I, everyone's like, like it's, it's moving. Or something? How could there not be? We, there's no press release, like, you know, in the, in the rumor mill, you know, when you talk to some people, it's moving. Okay. Can we get a press release? Can we get it on the schedule? Someone posted, like, a schedule of games for the Eagles, like, the next seven games, like, the dates make sense. Don't get me wrong, but where did you get the list? Cause I couldn't find it. And I'm the person that finds everything. So um, yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be moved though. Cause if not, I mean, it would have to be selling tickets by now. It's only, it'll only be a couple months away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember last ARC um, tickets didn't go on sale until middle of December. So yeah. That's for you to say. There's five other countries that. Uh, <laughs> That's true. I mean, I, I, Rugby Canada is not advertising ticket sales either. So, as far as English speaking countries, neither of them are talking about the ARC. So, at least it's not just a USA issue uh, when it comes to the ARC for this coming season. Uh, Moving on to Houston. This is kind of a big one. Uh, Tim Stanfill, U.S. Eagle. Uh, I know he was courted by a few MLR teams in season one, and I think he was courted last year. And, you know, like we said with, with Brian Ray, is these guys who played in pro that 
didn't play for MLR or, or originally, or you know, they're they're gonna hop on the bus. Like we're gonna start to get them back. Um, interesting though that he's jumped all the way to Houston. I know that he was up in up in the Bay uh, playing for Life West, but uh, he was down in San Diego playing for Onback for a couple seasons. And so uh, if anyone saw him play in pro, it's like a freight train. Yeah. Yeah. Tim's a, you know, a solid veteran Eagle, uh, you know, a name most you know, you'll recognize if you've been following the USA rugby scene for a while, it's getting a little older. I think he's, I think he's 30 now. Um, so in, in wing years, that's pretty high, but, uh, yeah, love to see him uh, back. Hey, in man! The everyone keeps saying, "Hey, let's let's bring in Chris Wiles, man! Chris Wiles, Chris Wiles to New York!" I'm like Chris Wiles is Saracen is a little different, but yeah, I was like, true. I was like, "Hey, Chris Wiles has a beer business, and I think he's he's chilling, like he's he's kicking it." Although the Saracens did bring him back last year, and because they needed a wing, and dude. I don't know why he retired because uh, he could still cut on a dime. Well, you see, sometimes you retire and then it doesn't really take. So (laughs) I don't think we're going to see Chris Wiles in New York or any other Jersey, but I want to rule it out entirely. The one player that I'm looking, I want to hear sign a contract or hear read about, because I'm probably not going to hear about it. You know, Blaine Scully. Let's let's put on Blake. The captain has not retired from international rugby yet, although we did have another retirement with, at least from the Eagles, I'm expecting that uh, if Sean Davies does play for Utah, it'll be sparingly, which I think is how Petri's, it's going to work out with Petri uh, in New York. Um, I think that you know, all these guys are, you know, getting on in years and, and life is life is life and yeah. Things gotta happen. I'm actually now of the opinion that Petri may they may be viewing Petri as the as the starter. I think uh, you know, I I get the sense that they weren't expecting him to come back when they signed their Irish scrum half. Um so we'll see. Well I, I'm not sure who will play that, but I agree about Sean Davies, especially with all the scrum halves that they've picked up. Um, in this offseason, there's a lot of a lot of nines out there. Um, moving to New York, uh, this was a great pickup. Troy Lockyer, he's kind of a utility back. Uh, he has played a lot of 10. He's an All-American, uh, out of Cal, uh, has played fullback. You know, people are, like, wondering where he'll fit. I think that, you know, uh, you know, in the end, New York struggled at 10 last year when Cahal Marsh was injured, specifically because Chris Matina got injured before Cahal Marsh. Yeah. Matina actually played well in his, you know, brief 10 stint. But yeah, when he got hurt too, they really uh, struggled to keep the offense going the way it had been under Marsh. So yeah, I agree. I think this looks like, and they have Harry Bennett, but I, I think this looks like another another player that was yeah. like not fit the entire year. Right. Harry, I, I mean, if if you have three tens uh, with, you know, like I think Lockyer is a really good player. Uh, if you if Harry Bennett is fit, which he just got fit uh, like the end of the year last year, if, if all three of those guys are fit, you're gonna have you know, you know, a really talented, uh, you know, halfback pairing, uh, three deep, really. Yeah, 
And that'll be that'll be a big change. That was probably one of their biggest weaknesses last year. Uh, was lack of depth of that position and experience. So, you know, addressing the weaknesses. Now they're missing an eight uh, since uh, Ross has moved down to Atlanta. So I think next we're looking to see what uh, if they make a signing at number eight. So the last signing this week was to Old Glory, and that's Doug Fraser, the Canadian center. Uh, you know, all these like Austin guys now play with Old Glory. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, still no coaching announcement from Austin, I presume. Nothing that I've seen. Uh, I have, you know, I, some of my friends who live in Austin have reached out to ask, you know, what I've heard. I think there's still a lot of, um, you know, tension in that local community uh, between the club teams and the herd. So, um, you know, I'm not surprised that there's a lot of uh, tension out there, and, and we'll see what uh, – they do have two assistants, though. Yes. Well, one very well-known one. But, uh, yeah, I, I just mean I think there might be – I wouldn't be surprised if there's more player movement in and around Austin than, than the average. So – and then the, the final thing when it comes to signings was what did you think of the the Utah Warriors uh, full release? And they also talked about the Warriors selects. If anyone remembers from last season – uh, the pathway for the Warriors was announced, and a part of that was the Warriors Selects team. They played, I think it was three or four games. It sounds like, uh, you know, a bunch of those guys showed out, uh, and they're going to form this core of a practice squad uh, throughout the season. And some interesting names on that uh, on that roster uh, was Matt Asiata, who played for the Vikings um, for about five years. Uh, and he also played He played some rugby growing up, so it wasn't just, uh, you know, a professional athlete deciding to, uh, to try another sport. Uh, but that, you know, people talk about that. And then they also had, what was it, um, last name, Paisa, I think that's how you say it, Savea, uh, who was uh, a defensive tackle at – Oregon State, six foot five, massive human being, and then uh, another BYU All American, uh, Tua Le'ai, um, are in their Warrior Selects group. So that's going to be very interesting. It would be cool to see Matt Asiata hmm. play play MLR next year, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's I think after last going into last season when Utah was so quiet, and you know. Taking a step back, you know, two years ago they were a playoff team. I mean, in the inaugural season, they made the playoffs. Um, and they were so quiet going into last year, and you know, they had a, a tougher year. Um, you know, they weren't the worst, they competed, they they drew with Glendale, but um you know, they coming into this second year, you you had a little concern about how quiet they'd been, or they fallen behind, not because you really know anything, just because you don't see any news releases, you didn't see hardly anything. Um, so this seems like, a, you know, either they've acknowledged that problem of appearing to do something or they're actually doing more. But either way, you know, this type of comprehensive press release, I think, uh, shows that they're, you know, they're not going to go into this season as quietly as they did last one. Definitely a big overhaul of the roster and also a complete overhaul of the coaching staff uh, with, uh, you know, it, it appears James Semple has departed the organization. He was the academy director last season 
and uh, I guess a little fullback, a little fly half, a little center, um, and Tim O'Malley, who was nails uh, as a distributing center and ball runner. Like, and I guess he was, uh, from what I understand, he was USA qualified, so he was talented. Um, and miss it, like losing him. I think he's off to Japan. Um, kind of hurts a bit, but uh, you know, um, I, the roster is the roster looks good. Yeah, uh, um, the 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 coaching staff. Uh, they need a they need a f- more than one forward. <laughs> I mean, Sean Pittman, and then three backs with uh, head coach Steve Latham, uh, Ben Nichols, and Sean Davies. I think and. Like if you thought like the Eagles scrum has continuously improved over the last four years with first Marty Veal and then Sean Pittman, uh, we thought they they had so many scrum issues the first two seasons. I think that it's going to get fixed and quickly. Yeah. So see, I think Utah's you know one of the bigger question marks as to how effective they'll be coming into this season, uh, particularly among the non. I guess the expansion teams are always question marks, but of the continuing uh, franchises. It's hard to, I think they're probably the biggest question mark in my mind. Yeah. So um, really to, to end the show, we'll talk about um, the USA women's second game against uh, uh, Le Rouge Feminine or rugby Canada women. Uh, You know, we had, we played a pretty good game in the first half. It was close. Uh, We, uh, you know, ended, the uh, the first half, fifteen to nineteen, uh, they ended up going ahead uh, with an intercept off uh, a USA offload. So, and that's how you know they end up going into the sheds with a lead. But it, it seems our fitness kind of fell off in the second half, and they just went to work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we previewed this series last week a little bit. Um, you know, Canada like we said, then is the number three ranked team They're I think they're expected to win a lot of new phases on both sides. Uh, but you know, they did sweep the series now. At, yeah. They won during the week and now they, they distanced themselves the second half here. So, you know, look, good look for Canada, good experience for USA. Um, you know, games run flow rugby. So, um, you know, We'll see how how visible they were to the American fans. I know and, that the uh, first one had a lot of production issues, and maybe it had to deal with the fact that it was played in a hurricane. I don't know. Uh, it was raining pretty bad here that day, and it was raining awfully there. So I don't know if that was the same storm cell. We're really not that close, but it was kind of funny to you know watch all the mud rugby. Um, although I know uh, some people didn't appreciate the uh the mud rugby but i i thought it was cool i always enjoy games in the mud when i'm playing but if i'm watching uh if if you were one of the one of the folks that got out to those games the it's not really set up for a a winter series because san diego does get rain in the winter um there isn't any shelter at chola vista at the game pitch at least or isn't there isn't much there's some yeah, wasn't that week two against Seattle last year? It was an absolute typhoon. Oh my god, that was! I couldn't believe they could play on that pitch the next week. I think they gave some steroids to the grass. Yeah, like it was like that. That it was. It was a hurricane, and you know, things happening. Well, it's good. You know, it's good that it, you know, as 
fan, fan of the men's team, we always talk about how many tier one tests you have. And we have a rival with Canada too, but neither the U S nor Canada are really tier one on the men's side. On the women's side, it's different. You know, Canada is number three. U.S. I think was number five last time I looked. Um, may have changed from this series, but they go down to six. But I uh, mean, now we actually do have it, like a tier one neighbor that we always have the ability to to play against and and get better. Um, so you know, it's even with two losses, I think it'll be a valuable experience for the uh, the USA Women's Eagles. Yeah, I think if I mean, just like you know, if we could build the these the Can-Am series for both men and women into a commercial thing, uh, it, it would be really helpful. I know that uh, during the winter there will be an NA4 type event uh, with the U18s for both men and for both the U18 uh, boys and, and girls, high school, all Americans uh, down in Chula Vista. So that's a, that's a really big deal. Uh, last year it was on the USA rugby YouTube. So we'll, we'll see there um, if it's going to happen, but uh, yeah, at a certain juncture, you do women's rugby is in a weird place. And, you know, I had this discussion with a few people is that you have the haves and the haves are England, France and New Zealand. Like they have all the talent and they have all the money. Uh, Australia has uh, their funding. Their women's program a lot. I think if we could do some work uh, at one point, Australia was going to pay Ireland's expenses or Ireland women's expenses during that summer, that summer test series they had with the men, they were going to do a double up and Ireland was like, yeah, we just don't want to do it. And so they didn't play any tests that summer. And you know, it, it kind of like if a country is going to pay all your expenses, just assemble and go get those matches in like, geez. And so I think there is some opportunity there with Australia. I know Australia wants higher quality games um, because they also want to improve. And, and we're in a place where we need to play more games and we're also a higher quality opponent than who most of their opponents are because they usually get wrecked by the black ferns. So um, yeah. It's it's an inter- we're in an interesting place where women's rugby needs a lot more games and it's not necessarily about commercialism because only really uh, the French and the English can sell out grounds of you know fifteen thousand or twenty thousand and that like you know the French easily draw fifteen thousand for any match they have for their women's team so like they make money the English make money everyone else is it's kind of rough. Um, but if we can, if we can sort of grapple onto that sort of success that the women's soccer team has had commercially, that would be extremely important. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, check on the Twitter and the Facebook, and we'll put an announcement on when we'll be back. I, I think we can do one before Christmas, and then we'll be off until January, because really there's. Uh, like I said, MLR is in preseason. A bunch of teams will assemble uh, right after Thanksgiving. They'll do about three weeks worth of work, and then they'll break for for Christmas and New Year's, and then they will be back, and you will start seeing preseason fixtures. Uh, the ones that are most vocal, I guess, not most vocal, but the most seen ones are the Seattle and Houston ones versus the Tasman Macos. There's also a game with Seattle uh, playing the Crimson Tide at Starfire, and that will be their ring ceremony. So that's pretty cool. 
Very cool. Looking forward to another year getting started. I'm ready to start doing some team previews. So let's, uh, you know, we'll, it's not that much rugby to cover. We'll take a little break here, but we'll be back soon enough. All right. Um, thanks for watching Earful of Dirt uh, or listening. Um, yeah. Cheers. On our way out, please note that all opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or practices of Major League Rugby, its teams, or the league. Aaron Castro is employed by Major League Rugby. Liam Poach is employed by the New England Free Jacks. Their opinions are their own. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast. Connect with your hosts throughout the week on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Earful of Dirt. Or email your thoughts and questions to earfulofdirt at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week. Until then, get out there and enjoy some rugby.